Welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct on KALA HD2 and the 106.1 FM dial. My name is Logan Howell, and with me is David Meyer, as always. And David, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. Real excited to get into the sports talk we have tonight. A lot of NFL free agency frenzy. We'll see that going all down next week. But before we get into that, we're going to look at our Women's History Month athlete. So we're starting with our second week here. And our feature athlete this week is Serena Williams, the tennis star. Williams has won 23 Grand Slam single titles, which is the most of any player in the Open era. She tied a record for being ranked number one in the world for the longest time at 186 weeks straight. Overall, she has 73 career titles, which is the fifth most of all time. She currently holds an impressive record of 850 wins to just 148 losses in her career. Williams has won several gold medals while representing Team USA in the Olympics, and at 39 years old, she currently sits as the seventh-ranked player in the world. Williams is one of the most decorated athletes of all time. And we will have a new athlete every single week, a woman that has redefined her sport. This week was Serena Williams. And now we're going to hop into some free agents, NFL free agency talk here. One big name that got signed last week was J.J. Watt, his release from the Houston Texans. We talked about some teams that fit him, where he should go, and I don't think either of us saw this one coming. It safe to say it was a surprise. How surprising was J.J. Watt to the Cardinals for you? I, right now I want to make – I'm tempted to make a St. Louis Cardinals joke about him going to play baseball, but just mentioning that is enough. I was really surprised. I – when I first saw that picture of him in a Cardinals uniform, I thought it was just some fan like messing around, doing Photoshop. But that was that was a product of the Arizona Cardinals. I was very surprised. I I didn't have them on my radar at all. No, I really didn't see that happening whatsoever. And it was also surprising because the same morning there was the fake Peloton account that came out and in his bio it said Browns, Bills, or Packers. So everyone thought, oh, okay, that's his final three spots. He comes out and says, no, that's not the case. That's not even my account. And then all of a sudden it's like an hour later he's posting a picture of him in a Cardinal shirt. So it really was kind of a surprise and it happened so quickly. So I would, I would say it's pretty safe to say I was shocked by that move. Um, I think it's a good move. I think the reconnection there with DeAndre Hopkins, I think that was the driving factor behind it, was Hopkins and the need, obviously, for the defense of Arizona to just get better. They struggled last year, and I think at times it put a lot of pressure on Kyler Murray that he really didn't need. So I think it's a good move, but a little shocking. And what do you think about the move? Do you like the move to Arizona? Do you think he could have went somewhere else for J.J. Watt? I, I like this move a lot. It's a team that's up and coming. They're only going to get better. They have a pretty decent amount of cap room still, so they can make some moves in free agency. I'm, I'm excited for this Cardinals team, and being a part of a good young team as kind of a veteran leader is like what you want when you're going to the ending phase of your career you want to be that veteran leader and I still think J.J. Watt can really contribute to this team and this pass rush yeah for me while it was surprising I like it I do 
Um, they need help on that D line, especially. But really, for me, what makes it such a good move is J.J. Watt. We talked about it. His numbers have been down. He's been injured a lot. And I think partly it's because everyone's relied on him to be that true pass rusher for Houston, that number one guy. He's walking in to a situation now where Chandler Jones, in my opinion, is the most underappreciated defensive end in football. He is fantastic. And now he's going to be on the opposite side of him. That's going to get real scary. And it helps when you have two very, very good elite pass rushers on each side when you're going up against Russell Wilson twice a year, when you're going up against Matthew Stafford twice a year. You need that type of pass rush to be successful. And also, I think it helps out the Cardinals so much more than just on that D-line. Pass rush, in my opinion, is really what makes a good secondary. No corner, no safety is going to be able to guard someone for seven, six to seven seconds plus. It's, you're asking too much. But if that pass rush gets home and the quarterback's worrying about it, some errant throws, I think we can see those DBs really get better. One guy I'd like to see them bring back would be Patrick Peterson. He's going to be a free agent. If you can find a way to bring him back, he would benefit from it greatly. He had a couple games last year where he really locked up DK Metcalf, who's turning into a premier wide receiver in the NFL. So I definitely would love to see him come back with that pass rush. But also, you got to have a guy like Buda Baker who flies around. I think for JJ, he's going to see his numbers go up quite a bit from what we've seen recently. So yeah, I think it is a good move. For him and now looking at this Cardinals team in general you're adding one of the best defensive players in football to this team last year went 79 8 and 8 and just missed the playoffs are they now playoff contenders with JJ Watt can we expect them come January and February next year I think they were playoff contenders last year they I mean well I'm gonna take that back they were 8 and 8 the like lower seeds of the NFC were a mess so I don't, I don't think anybody should have gotten in there. But I think they will be coming up, and they're just a very momentum-based team. It's You have high highs, but low lows. They need to improve that consistency, and J.J. is going to give them consistency if he's healthy. That's the big thing. He's got to stay healthy. And you mentioned taking some of that pressure off. I think this gives him time to not necessarily have to be the star, that he's always been and having a great secondary behind you is going to be super helpful. Yeah, I think it does move them into that playoff contenders because when you look at what they have within their own division, I'm not willing to say they're the best team in their division. I wouldn't even say they're top two. You look at the Rams and Seahawks from last year, both fantastic, and they're only going to continue to get better. I know right now the Rams have some salary cap work to do, but if the Rams have proven anything, it's they can get anyone on their roster and be just fine. They'll just push it to the future. So I expect them to get that figured out. Seattle still has, at this moment, Russell Wilson, who is a top three quarterback in the NFL. He's fantastic. So I'm not willing to say they're the best team in their division. And even the 49ers, a team that was banged up last year, is going to get a lot of stars back, have, a lot, have quite a bit of cap space, top 10 in cap, and 10 draft picks they have some retooling they can do as well it's tough because it is such a tough division and yes there are seven playoff seeds now it's still so tough you could technically have all four teams within a division but just realistically it's not possible so if you're not in that top two of your division 
how realistic is it that you get in? It's slim. So let's see what type of pr progress the Cardinals make. I think offensively, they can be a team that can really dominate. I think Cliff Kingsbury holds them back just a little bit. I think a better OC there, and we'd see this team really take off. Kyler Murray is very talented. But they see the problems that they had. It was the defense. They need to work on the defense. They address it with a big-time signing. You can't complain at that whatsoever. So I think they can be playoff contenders. Will they actually make the playoffs? Ugh, it's, it's tough to say right now, but I just don't think so as of right now. They still have plenty of time to make some moves and get some more talent within the building. And now speaking of the NFC West just a little bit, you look at those stars within the NFC West on the defensive side of the ball. There's pass rushers on every team but Seattle. You have a top-tier pass rusher. You look in the secondary, there's a star on almost every team's secondary. And also, when you look at it, J.J. Watt and Aaron Donald, right now, I think both combined for six defensive players of the year and is currently tied for the record as the of the most within a division. So one more big key addition and you could see them take that record. Is the NFC West the most talented division defensively in the league? That's a tricky question because you do have a lot of talent defensively. The Rams, the best defense in the league. Then the uh, the 49ers were very good, even though they were injured. We've talked about that a lot. And those are two probably, I mean, the Rams were the top defense in the league, just uh, statistically speaking. The 49ers, I'd call top 10 if they were healthy. But how much does it drag you down to have the Seahawks just existing? So I think you could definitely make the argument. And I, would, I wouldn't put up too much of a fuss about calling the NFC West the most talented defensively. Uh, that division being the most talented defensively. Just because you have so much star power everywhere, Aaron Donald is the best player in football right now, and you're just adding to that. So I'll, I'll agree with that. Yeah, I, I do too. And I don't think overall defensively, when you look at statistically they're the best, I think you can find some divisions that are better all around because, like you said, Seattle does drag them down. But for me, the star power is what exactly pulls me to saying they are. When you look at each of these teams, I kind of alluded to it a little bit, they each have at least two stars within their defense. When you look at Seattle, you have Jamal Adams, top three safety in the NFL. I know he had a little bit of struggles last year, but still a fantastic safety, all-pro safety. Then you look at the middle linebacker for the Seahawks, Bobby Wagner, the, one of the best linebackers in football. I'd say top two, all-pro linebacker again. And then you look at the Rams defensively. The Rams, for me, they have a lot of underrated pieces within that secondary. So I think there's a few guys I'm going to leave off here that deserve quite a bit of credit. But let's just talk about the stars. You have Jalen Ramsey, best corner in the NFL. He's fantastic. Aaron Donald, like you said, best player in football. He's unguardable on a weekly basis. Then you go to the 49ers. You have all-pro linebacker and Fred Warner. You have Nick Bosa, who is a, when healthy, a very good pass rusher for them. And then you have a guy named Richard Sherman in the secondary. Going to be a free agent, but 
you have Richard Sherman back there in the secondary who's made a living off getting interceptions in this league. And we haven't even talked about Arizona yet with Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, Buda Baker. There's just so much talent within that division defensively. Now, coaching defensive-wise, I think does hold a few of these teams back, Seattle Seahawks. But I'm not going to throw any names out there. But I do think they are the most talented after adding J.J. Watt. And now we're going to move into another big free agent signing. I guess technically a franchise tag and sign by the Dallas Cowboys. They finally pay Dak Prescott. Four years, $160 million, $40 million a year, 126 of that guaranteed. Did the Cowboys finally get it right when it comes to Dak Prescott? I think so. It's... I'm not entirely sold on Dak Prescott. I, I'm going to amend that. I'm not entirely sold on the Cowboys. And going kind of all in on a quarterback right now isn't... I don't think that's the best idea. You, you're just barely above the cap. You don't even have a million dollars to spend with the cap. And that's a lot of money for a player coming off a significant knee injury. Or Achilles? Achilles injury. Ankle. Ankle was, something, yeah. yeah. Um, he's, he's very talented, and you saw the discrepancy of when he was on the field versus when he was off. But there are bigger needs for the Cowboys. Yeah, when I look at that, when I look at specifically did they get it right, I say yes because not because of a team-building perspective, which we'll get into in a little bit, but more of Dak Prescott deserved this contract contract from the Dallas Cowboys. He'd been franchise-tagged a couple times. He'd been tagged again this year, but they do get the deal done. When you look at Dak Prescott in general and the injury, he should have been paid last year. The Cowboys could have saved themselves a lot of money doing this two years ago when they should have. It's not like Dak Prescott all of a sudden started playing really good. Last two years, when I look at 2018 stats, 22, 22 touchdowns, 8 picks. Now I look at 2019 stats, 30 touchdowns, 11 picks. It's phenomenal. You want that from your quarterback. 20-plus touchdowns, especially in 2019, hits 30. And just around that 10 turnover mark, that's exactly what you want from your quarterback, especially on a team that... I wouldn't say the Cowboys are all that great in general. I would say he makes them a lot better than they really are. So when I look at it, did the Cowboys finally get it right? Yes, because you can't keep on franchise tagging Dak Prescott. I'm not a huge fan of the franchise tag in general. When you look at Kirk Cousins, Le'Veon Bell, not a huge fan of it. But we'll get into the franchise tag here in a little bit. I think they did get it right, but it's too late. Now you're paying him $40 million. You could have got him for $33, $30 million one or two years ago. So did they get it right? Yeah, but a little late for me. And now looking at Dak in general, I talked about his stats that he had. Does Dak Prescott deserve a $40 million per year contract? I don't, I'm not sure. I honestly don't know because right now I, I can't single him out and like take him out of the Cowboys and look at him objectively as just a quarterback. So overall, I'm going to say I do like this deal. He does get a lot of money, $40 million a year, with 126 guaranteed. 
but it's only four years. And he's going to be 31 when the deal ends uh, around. So he's going to still be very much in his prime. And I think he can get an even bigger deal. We'll see how, you know, the cap pans out in the next four years, but he could possibly get an even bigger deal after this current contract is done. So I think it's a good move for him and just job security coming off of an injury is really important. Yeah, for me, does Dak deserve this type of money? Yeah, he's a top 10 QB. He's played fantastic for the Cowboys. You've seen how the Cowboys are without him last year. It's not great. And they have all types of offensive weapons for Andy Dalton, Ben DiNucci, whoever they put in there to succeed, and they didn't. So I think he does deserve this type of money. And now it brings up the even better question, Do quarterbacks should quarterbacks make this type of money? And it's an interesting question, and I say yes because I think it's one of the hardest positions in all of sports to play, and just so much mental processing you have to do as well as being physically gifted enough to go up against other type of athletes. So there's a lot you have to do there. The Cowboys, um, if you look at it from the Cowboys' perspective, it gets a lot more tough. Can you pay him $40 million while paying Zeke? 15 or whatever he makes and then also pay Amari Cooper a very good chunk I think it's about 20 million so you're paying the big three or the triplets as Cowboys fans like to remember you're paying them a lot of your cap space can you build a football team like that I'm not sure so that's the one thing for me that sticks out when it comes to does he deserve this type of money can he succeed while still having all these holes on his roster that are going to now, you're going to see even more of when the Cowboys already had quite a few holes. That, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But I think overall, he deserves the money. It's going to get a little more tough for him, though, um, as the years go on. And now, last point here, talking about the Cowboys. Yes, it's exciting. Resigned Dak Prescott. Finally, 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 finally locked up. But are the Cowboys even contenders last year and the year before they were in a struggling division and just barely came out on top and then didn't come out on top last year are they even contenders I that that one's definitely tough I'm gonna go with no just based on how poorly they did in the previous season in a division that was I think it was tied for the worst division record in the uh current era so that's just just a bad sign right there you do have to concede they didn't have Dak Prescott so that's going to be a big upgrade but paying him all that money means that money can't go to other positions and other players and you're not going to have as much depth and overall versatility on your team so I think they're going to continue to struggle and if you look the point differential overall over that entire season was negative 78 you're I haven't seen any big step forward and I don't think there's going to be a big step forward from the Cowboys team that went six and ten last season yeah it, it's exciting you got your quarterback locked up big time contract yeah it's it's fun but at the same time I'm with you 
I don't think they're contenders. They may be contenders within their division, but that's because their division's not great whatsoever. A lot of people do forget that with Dak Prescott last year, I believe they were 1-4 when he did play. And the one game they did win, it was a miraculous comeback in which they recovered an onside kick. And they really probably shouldn't have won that game and probably win it one or two times out of ten. So now you're looking at an 0-5 Cowboys team. At that point, do you pay Dak Prescott? I don't know. If he, It depends how the season goes, how you finish everything out. But you have guys who are going to be coming up needing contracts here soon. Leighton Vander Esch, a good linebacker. Hurt a lot, but a good linebacker. You paid Jalen Smith, who I don't think is all that great. And I don't think he deserved the money when he got it. Then you receiving core. Dak Prescott's able to succeed because he has a fantastic receiving core. Amari Cooper making bank. Michael Gallup, he's going to be coming up here on a contract pretty soon. And you got C.D. Lamb in the draft last year. If he's able to keep up this pace he's on, three years from now, he's going to be needing a new deal. And I'm just looking at their offense. And obviously, yes, Van Der Esch at the linebacker position. But they still need to address multiple spots on the defense and their secondary. The pass rush, Demarcus Lawrence. He, he's, a, he's pretty good. He is a good pass rusher, but for what he makes, he could be better. And the loss of Robert Quinn, for me, has been one that I think has been a lot of people haven't talked about. He really helped out Demarcus Lawrence and was able to kind of pad his own stats, in a sense, with Robert Quinn on the other side. So I don't think the Cowboys are contenders. There's too many holes on this roster. Yes, the quarterback is signed. Cowboys fans can have a sigh of relief and be excited. I get it. But I'm not sold that this team's ready to compete or within this NFC when you have quarterbacks like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford. You have some big-name guys. I don't know if the Cowboys can compete with guys like that. Now we're looking at some ta- some tackle movement here. The Raiders trade their right tackle, or he might play left tackle for them now, Trent Brown to the Patriots for a mid-round pick. Do you like this move from the Patriots' perspective and also the Raiders? It's it's an interesting move because he was he struggled with injury, only played 16 games in the last two seasons, but he's been very good, and it's the the report I'm reading at least. So allegedly, uh, the teams swap. So the Raiders give up a fifth. No, I'm reading that wrong. Uh, whatever. Uh, I, I'm confused by the move a little bit because I don't project the, uh, the Patriots to be, to make any kind of big splashes. They have a decent amount of money, but I'm not sure what talent you'll be able to acquire with that money. And if it, if you can spend that efficiently to kind of create a whole new team over one season, I don't think you can. And for the Raiders, it's kind of weird. Like, you're getting rid of a pretty talented tackle when you've already, when you're trying to take that next step, you, offensive line is a big part of that that doesn't get talked about enough, especially tackle. Yeah, Trent Brown for me, um, I may be a little biased here. He was a 49ers draft pick just a few years ago. But he's fantastic. He went on the field. He's one of the better tackles in football. Can play on the left or the right side. Only 27 years old. 
going to be 28 before the season starts. But at 6'8", 360, for as big as he is, his movement is surprising. He can get up and move for a tackle. And that's one thing that I think really stuck out about him. And when I look at it from a Patriots perspective, I love it. I love the move. Trent Brown spent time in New England. I believe it was only a year. But he won a Super Bowl there. And he knows he knows the area, knows the team, knows the coaching staff, and said that he could have been traded and went could have left in free agency, got more money somewhere else, but he had the opportunity to go back to New England and he took it. And I get it. I get what he wants to do. Head back to New England with a coaching staff that you really like. The only issue with Trent Brown, it's it was a problem in San Francisco, it's a problem in Oakland or Las Vegas, I guess, Oakland and Las Vegas. He was played for both. Is the fact that during the offseason, sometimes he has trouble keeping the weight down, staying in shape. He would come into camp and not be in shape, and that's why that's why the 49ers had to move on from him. They trade him away in a draft day trade, bring in Mike McGlinchey. And the Patriots, when they acquired him, he only had one year left on his deal, let him play the deal out and leave. In free agency, he signed a big old deal with the Raiders. But the Raiders have now run into that issue as well. That's why they've moved on from him for so cheap. But you don't see tackles get traded for very little. I believe the official trade was Trent Brown in a seventh-round pick, and then a fifth-round pick was the other part of that deal. But for me, if I'm New England, you just got your franchise tackle for a fifth-round pick, 27 years old, plenty of time left. You can get him locked up to a better deal if you'd like to, but you don't have to. For me, I love it if I'm New England. For Oakland, it was something that didn't pan out, and a lot of those trades that they made in 2017-2018 aren't panning out for them. You look at Tyrell Williams. He's in Detroit now. Trent Brown, Antonio Brown, and also LaMarcus Joyner. Those guys are not panning out for the Raiders. So if I'm the Raiders, I'm a little worried, but if I'm the Patriots, I love it. And now looking at the Patriots here, are we are the Patriots preparing to go on a little revenge tour of their own kind of well we just watched Tom Brady win a Super Bowl after he left. It's our turn to show that we're pretty good too and Bill Belichick was the reason Brady was good? I don't think so. Uh they've they struggled last season in a relatively tough division. Yeah, the Jets are a, a perennial mess, but the Dolphins are only going to get stronger, and so are the Bills. And those are two... Well, the Bills were a playoff team. The fact that the Dolphins weren't is frustrating. But those are two playoff-quality teams that you're going to have to play four games against in your season. So I just don't think they have like the infrastructure. They don't have the outline of a team right now, and I don't think they'll be able to put that outline in and then fill in all the gaps in just one season. Well, Trent Brown might be part of that outline. They're not going on the the revenge tour yet. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that Patriots fans are going to have to realize here. After 20 years of nothing but success, nothing but playoff trips, Super Bowl trips, Super Bowl victories, you're going to have a downswing where you have to retool this roster and I think what we're going to see is New England attempt to do it all at once. I think that's their goal is they want to make a revenge tour this season. Do they do it? I don't think so, but I think they make a giant stride forward. 
into their future and we see them get back on the right track. Because after this last season, it's kind of like we're just sitting here, okay, what are you going to do at quarterback? You have no receivers. You could improve the running back spot as well. You have no tight ends. The defense for New England is still good. They still have some nice pieces in place. They still have Stephon Gilmore. They will be getting Dante Hightower back, who is a big piece of that defense and the way they use him. One name on the free agent market now is Kyle Van Noy. Actually got cut by the Dolphins. I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back, just like we saw Jamie Collins come back. Then their linebacking core would be back. J.C. Jackson's a restricted free agent, so expect him back. So now you have J.C. Jackson, Gilmore. You still have the McCourty brothers at the safety position. So you have defensively your depth there. Now you just need to fill some holes with that money you have. Good thing for the Patriots, this free agency class is loaded on pass rushers. Loaded. So they can spend some money, get a pass rusher in there, and we see them really start to miss Trey Flowers, a guy who you expect not to do all that well outside New England. He's done okay, um, but he did a lot better in New England. They need to replace him, and it can't be the New England way, I guess. You can't just bring in late-round picks and let them develop. You don't have Tom Brady anymore where you can still be successful with a subpar team around him. So I expect them to make quite a bit of moves, and I don't think they're done when it comes to trades. I think that's how we're going to see them acquire their talent. Bill Belichick's always been a guy that would rather trade for a proven commodity than draft. Also, maybe because they don't draft all that well in general. Yeah, you hit on Tom Brady at pick 199 in the sixth round of in the 90s or 2000. But they haven't drafted all that well as of late. So I expect them to make some more trades. One, I'm just going to throw a couple names out there, some guys I think um, they would make a run after. Bill Belichick's always liked Odell Beckham Jr. He has a 14, $14 to $15 million cap hit. Cleveland could look to clear some money off their books. They're only sitting about $20 million right now. So Odo Beckham Jr. is a guy that I think the Patriots could make a run after. And then you're wondering, okay, what are they going to do at the tight end position? When we get into our free agency predictions, I have actually a couple tight ends, and I won't spoil that surprise yet, but I actually have a couple tight ends heading to New England, and they get back to the Rob Gronkowski days where they had multiple tight end sets, and they were able to just power run as well as pass to their tight ends. And then the biggest question that New England has for me, who's the quarterback? Who are you putting out there at QB? And as much as I hate to say it, I just have a weird feeling in my gut that New England's going to swing some type of deal and get Jimmy G back. I just feel like it's just in my gut. They're going to swing a deal, get Jimmy Garoppolo back there. And I didn't believe it. I wasn't buying the hype. I was like, no, no, no. Until I listened to a New England reporter talk about it, he went on to say that Jimmy G is plan A for New England at QB. I was like, yeah, okay, well, what else are you supposed to say? But then he brought up a very good point. Bill Belichick sat out on the field and talked to Jimmy Garoppolo for an extended period of time after the Niners beat New England this year, and Josh McDaniels sat there at midfield as well and waited for Jimmy Garoppolo to get done talking to Bill so he could talk to him. And that was the worst home loss the Patriots had suffered in 20 years. How many times is Bill Belichick going to sit out at midfield after he just suffered his worst loss in 20 years at home? He he isn't. So for me, it's just a gut feeling that they're going to get him back. I, I don't want to see it, obviously, but it's a gut feeling for me right now. So... Will the Patriots go on a revenge tour? I think they're still a couple years out, like you said. I'm with you on that. 
but I think we're going to see them go after quite a few pieces to try to get this thing going in the right direction again. So there's some hype around the Patriots. We're going to take our first break here on Sportsmanlike Conduct. When we come back, we're going to get into the franchise tag, a little tag you're it. We'll talk about which free agents that now have been tagged, which ones we like, will they be playing on that tag, could they get traded, and what our thoughts are on the franchise tag. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Unsportsmanlike Conduct. I'm Logan Howe. With me is David Meyer. And like I said earlier, we're going to get into our franchise tag. We're going to talk about the guys who've been tagged. And we're going to start out with the wide receiver for the Chicago Bears, Allen Robinson. A lot of people questioned, will he be tagged? Will they get a long-term deal done? Will he even come back? Well, we do now know he was tagged. Do you like the Bears franchise tagging Allen Robinson? I like it in the sense that it gives them an opportunity to bring him back long-term. I'm not a huge fan of the franchise tag overall. I think there are certain cases where it's okay, but just kind of stamping it on a guy who is planning on leaving your team in free agency, I'm not a big fan of. And that's a little bit of what I feel like is going on here. I feel like Allen Robinson has kind of been disrespected by the Bears. He hasn't gotten that contract that he believes he deserves. And I agree with him. He deserves a big-time contract. But I'm not sure the Bears are going to give him one. So I could definitely see Allen Robinson in some sort of tag-and-trade deal. But realistically, Allen Robinson for about $18 million this year, that's a win. That's a win for the Bears. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. The price tag for Allen Robinson, I I think, is great. When you look at if he hit the open market, you got Amari Cooper making twenty million a year, if not close to Julio Jones making twenty three. I think Allen Robinson easily hits twenty, and maybe even twenty to twenty two if he hits the open market, gets in a bidding war. You never know how it's gonna go. For me, I for the if you're the Bears, yeah, I feel like you kind of had to do it. Um, it's the only way you were going to keep him. And you can't just let him walk away for nothing. So that's where I think it comes into play, possibly a tag and trade. I believe it was Ian Rappaport had said that Allen Robinson wasn't very happy with the tag and that it thing could get a little messy between the two sides. I don't expect them to reach a long-term deal because they've had such a long time to do it. And Allen Robinson said that quite a few times. We've had so long to do this, not been much effort put into it. I'm ready to go see who else would be interested in me. A lot of teams would be. Any any team that needs number one wide receiver, Allen Robinson right there. Just like he was a few years ago after he left Jacksonville. And he wasn't able to really cash in like he is now because he was coming off that ACL. So now he has that opportunity finally. So looking from the Bears' perspective, do I like the tag? Yes. I feel like you almost have to do it because now you can trade him. It gives you some flexibility. If you're Allen Robinson, no. You're not a huge fan of it. You're probably going to leave, like you said. And yes, you can get traded still, but now you don't get as much of a say. You're probably still going to end up on a receiver-needy team. But, I mean, Al Robinson could have really picked and choose where that receiver-needy team is. Could have went somewhere a little bit better for him and his future. So, um, if you're the Bears, I feel like it was kind of like you had to. Now, next one we have here is Justin Simmons, safety for the Broncos. And in my opinion, a very underrated safety at that. 
he got the franchise tag, which is going to be anywhere from 11 to 12 million, depending on the official cap. Set. I know it today it came down at 182 and a half, so these numbers will be adjusted just a little bit. Do you like franchise tagging Justin Simmons? I'm going to go with yes. They've the Broncos. I think are close to putting together a playoff-worthy team, and Simmons is going to be a part of that. And I, I think they're just not completely sure. The Broncos aren't completely sure if they're going to get what they need from Justin Simmons. So that's why they're not committing to that extension and really paying him and kind of securing him for a long term. And this is where I think the franchise tag is how it should be used. Use it on a guy who is just kind of not sure yet. And he's still going to get paid a decent amount this season. And kind of it's kind of like a built-in prove-it deal. It's one year with probably more money than most players would make on similar prove-it deals. Yeah, and with Justin Simmons, this is his second franchise tag. So he is making a little bit more than that 11 to $12 million. He'll make a little bit more than that because this is his second time. But for me, I think this is going to lead to a long-term deal. I don't Personally, I don't think he'll play. I think he'll play on the tag if he has to. But I don't think either side wants to play on the tag. I think they both know that we can... We can get a little something. Now, it may not be like a five-year just massive deal, but a little bit something more for Justin Simmons, maybe in that three-year range, I think is realistic. When you look at what he's done for the Broncos, five interceptions last year, four interceptions in 2019. In the last three years, he's been 95 tackles plus in each of those years. So you're really getting a guy who can is great in coverage but also has the ability to come down into the box and make those plays. At just 27 years old, for me, I like the tag because I think it's going to be used to get him signed long-term. He, to me, is just a Vic Fangio type of player. And so I like that place for him. He wants to be in Denver. I think they get something long-term done with that. Next one we have here is the left tackle, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this was a bit of a surprise. There's going to be some left tackles on the market, or specifically one left tackle on the market, but they decide to franchise tag their own Cam Robinson. Do you like that move by the Jaguars? I actually do. I'm a fan of this one. Cam Robinson, I think Urban Myers likes his game, and I think he'll be able to get a lot out of Cam Robinson. He played, I'd say, above average in 2020 didn't really show anything too flashy but you know it's a offensive line position there's not much flashiness to do especially on a really bad Jaguars team he only allowed five sacks only committed five penalties that's a pretty solid solid tackle and I think they can get him on a long-term deal especially at such a premium position that tackle is being able to secure an at least average tackle if not a little higher is a great thing yeah for me I like this tag a lot and it's kind of what you talked about with Justin Simmons it's a guy who has progressively gotten better 
He's not the best at his position, but he's showing signs of improvement, and he's someone that the Jaguars want to see succeed. So they're going to go ahead and make sure he's sticking around here and a decent tag uh, price there at the 14 and a half. So nothing to sneeze at for Cam Robinson. I think he'd happily play on that number. And also I think it's because I don't think the Jaguars now are too sure that Trent Williams may hit the market. I think it's become more critical for the 49ers to re-sign him and get him to lock him up for the rest of his career. So I think the Jaguars are starting to maybe hear some things through the grapevines that he might not hit the market. So Cam Robinson becomes even that much more important because I think it's pretty obvious they're going to take Trevor Lawrence at one, and you have to protect them. You do not want to see what Houston did with Deshaun Watson. He tears his ACL his rookie season. Joe Burrow last year at the Bengals tears his ACL. And also Andrew Luck a guy who's supposed to be this phenomenal best prospect since John Elway, Peyton Manning, and he gets hurt and retires early. You don't want to see that with Trevor Lawrence. So the left tackle position is key. So I like that franchise tag there. And now we're going to go to the New York Giants. They franchise tag Leonard Williams. His tag comes in about $18 million for the year. Do you like them franchise tagging Leonard Williams? I'm going to say yes because – you weren't exactly sure what you were going to get with him in his previous couple seasons. He's been decent, but nothing too outstanding. And this season, he's really come into his own with the Giants. I think getting out of the Jets organization will do that to just about any player. Uh, but 11 and a half sacks, good amount of tackles and pressures. And it's the fact that he went from kind of just okay, not very known player to much better so quickly. You're not sure if he'll be able to keep that consistency. So bringing him back on the franchise tag is is a pretty good move here. Yeah, for me, this one was a little difficult because bringing him back, I thought, was a must for the Giants. I thought, great move. Personally, for me, I would have done it a little bit differently. I would have looked to get him signed to some type of deal, not necessarily a long-term deal, but somewhere back in that two- to three-year range because you are betting on his success here. Because the one thing about the franchise tag is his hit is going to be about $18 million. That's his cap hit. You can't turn some of that into a signing bonus, backload this at all. In a year where the salary cap is so tight to begin with, 18 million to Leonard Williams. Yes, it's worth it, but you would like to see maybe 10 of that in a signing bonus and backload that deal. So you're only getting a cap hit of about eight. We saw the Giants that today they cut Kevin Zeitler, their guard, who's a fantastic guard of that because his cap hit was too high. That's a guy you would be able to keep around if you would just got the long term deal done with Leonard Williams. So I get the hesitant. The hesitation there to not want to lock him up long term but at just 26 years old coming off a 12 sack season I wouldn't be too afraid to toss him a two to three year deal just so you can backload that move that money around and try to keep some of your team together at the same time now we're looking at Marcus May and and this one it's tough looking at the safety position once again do you like this tag of Marcus May I'm I've been pretty positive about the tags so far, but with this one, I'm going to say no. He, he is one of those players that 
he did kind of take a step forward this year, but I'm not sure. Like I talked about with the Patriots, I'm not sure if the the Jets have that outline yet, and it feels a little bit like they're forcing it here with Marcus May. He's 28, and that's that's kind of a weird spot for contracts because 30 is where players really start to fall off if they're going to age poorly. So I think you definitely could have worked out some sort of like two-year deal or at least some sort of extension at least one year that would have worked better than franchise tagging him. Yeah, I, I think it's a little steep for Marcus May. Um, but I get, I get it. If you're Robert Sala, you want it, you have the money, so you want to keep him around. Just see what you have with Marcus May. He was one of the better defenders on the Jets. I'd probably say the best defender on the Jets last season, him and Quentin Williams. So I get wanting to see what you have there, being a new coach, defensive coordinator as well. But for me, I agree. $11 million is a little much for Marcus May, especially when Robert Sala probably could have got some – reinforcements from his old team Jaquaski Tart's going to be a free agent you could have got him for a year or two probably a two-year six seven million dollar deal where he's only getting three three and a quarter a year so I think you could have used that money elsewhere but I get why they did it uh just a little steep a little steep for me um Marcus May is I think going to get better as a player big jump this year and but already 28 years old safety position you have about probably three to four more years of your top play before you start to fall off a little bit secondary especially guy safety getting almost 90 tackles a year so that's a little tough now we're going to go look at chris godwin wide receiver the tampa bay buccaneers he gets that franchise tag to come in about 17 million do you like tampa bay franchise tagging godwin i'm not a big fan of this one because I think money is or cap space is such a big deal right now and Chris Godwin is just I think you could have signed him to a long-term deal for less in a year. And I think they're not the Buccaneers especially are not taking advantage of going after a long-term deal for a guy who's only 25. Chris Godwin probably, you could have negotiated him down from $15 million a year, which is what he's getting on the franchise tag, or about that much. So it's just not a good use of resources, is what I'm saying. Especially with how tight the cap is and how many guys you want to bring back as the Super Bowl champion. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I don't like this one. One, Chris Godwin had a down year comparatively, only 840 yards this year, touchdown-wise at seven, which is nothing to sneeze at. But numbers like that are more of a good number two to elite number three numbers. And at 17, 18 million, that's a lot of money to the wide receiver position. I get it, he's just 25 years old, but like you said, getting him into that three- to four-year deal a little bit cheaper I would have been the way I would have done it. They brought back Levante David on, I thought, a pretty team-friendly deal. Two years, $25 million. Yeah, he moves into the top six highest-paid linebackers, but still, 
for 12 and a half, I believe is what it ended up being for Levante David, a bit of a steal. If you ask me, he would have made more on the open market, but the one name that I would have franchise tagged for a second time for it's Shaq Barrett. I just don't understand how you're not franchise tagging Shaq Barrett. He's now stepping into free agency. Last year in 2019, had 19 and a half sacks. 19 and a half. That is fantastic numbers. This last season only had eight. But if you watch that postseason run that Tampa Bay went on, he was fantastic. I think he probably had eight sacks just in the postseason alone. He had three in the NFC Championship game, had at least two or three in the Super Bowl as well. And then against the football team, also had some good numbers. Shaq Barrett's very underrated, and he's also only 28 years old and going to be 28 when the season starts. He's going to get a massive deal from somebody because you allowed him to hit free agency. I don't know if he's going to be the type that's going to come back on a cheap deal because he's never hit his payday. This is the first time he can really hit that big payday. I think he's going to take it out on the open market, and I think Tampa Bay is going to regret their decision of tagging Godwin. Godwin probably would have made a pretty penny out in free agency. I get that. But you could have got him locked up easier than Shaq Barrett and for a cheaper price. So I'm with you on that one. I'm not a huge fan of the franchise tag use there. Now we're going to go to the guard position for the Washington football team. They find a way to retain Brandon Sheriff. They're going to tag him. Tag's going to come in about $14.5 million. It's going to be a little bit skewed there. But 14.5, pretty close estimate. Do you like the football team using their tag on Brandon Sheriff? No, I don't, because I think you kind of screwed him over a little bit. You aren't sure who your quarterback is going to be next year. You aren't sure who your future franchise quarterback is going to be. And Brandon Sheriff leaving an organization after playing very well for around five seasons, at 29, that's when you are going to get your big payday. And this is the second year in a row, the second season, that he's been tagged. And I wouldn't be too happy being tagged. I think he could have made a little more money on the open market because guard is such... Offensive line is so important. Maybe... I, I think you should... I'm always a fan of like working with players and not using the franchise tag. So especially in this case, for a second season, I'm not a big fan. Yeah, and Washington's not afraid to use multiple franchise tags on players. Saw it with Kirk Cousins. We're seeing it again here with Brandon Sheriff. And if I'm the football team, no, you can't let him go. So I get why they did it. He's a guy you want to keep around, kind of a leader, a veteran. I probably could even go as far as to say best guard in the NFL. He's fantastic. Has been for a while now. And when I look at from the other perspective, if I'm Brandon Sheriff, do I want to hit the market? Absolutely. A team like the Cincinnati Bengals would have tossed a lot of money at Brandon Sheriff to get him in the building, help protect Joe Burrow. And I think going to Cincinnati, you, I mean, yes, you're going to a team that didn't do all that great this year. The future's brighter. You know what you're getting with the Cincinnati Bengals. You have Joe Burrow. You have elite weapons around him. Defensively, they could get better. But the football team snuck into the playoffs and really had no 
they shouldn't have been in the playoffs. So now because of that, they have, I believe they're at pick 20 or 19, somewhere in there, where they're now picking pretty late within that first round. It's something that you don't want to do if you're Washington. You kind of want to build this team up, get better, get that high pick. But now you're picking that late. I don't. I just don't really know where the football team's going to go from here. They have quarterback issues. They just got rid of Alex Smith, who's going to play quarterback. Um, I got a free agent prediction heading there, but I don't think it helps the team all that much. So I think there's a lot of question marks with Washington and Brandon Sheriff probably isn't too happy about that and the last thing we're going to talk about with the franchise tag is overall what are your thoughts on the franchise tag we I talked about it a little earlier I think it should be used on younger players where you're not entirely sure what you have with them and you're not sure if they do deserve that big contract one of the reasons I especially dislike it is like with Sheriff, he's like at 29, that's where you're going to hit your big payday and you're denying him that. Yeah, he's making near the upper end of uh, guard money, but it's not a prolonged contract, which is what people want. You want a long contract. So I'm not sure what sort of rule they could implement to restrict that the ability to just kind of tag whoever you want. Uh, but I think the league should change the franchise tag in some way. Yeah, I agree with you. There's got to be some type of change. Um, I've thought that ever since the Le'Veon Bell situation. That's when it really stuck out to me. Um, it was a guy that the Steelers were just going to go ahead, franchise tag, franchise tag, franchise tag, until he no longer had the ability to go to get a big contract. And yes, he sat out for a year. Yes, he made a decent contract once he hit the market. But I don't. I think he would have made a lot more had he not sat out the year. Not because I'm saying he shouldn't have, but more of along the lines. Pittsburgh keeps on using the franchise tag on tag on him and prevented him from getting that big payday. Another guy's Kirk Cousins. Um, I don't like how they handled that situation. He clearly wanted out, and everyone knew it. He was asking to be traded. And Kirk Cousins isn't the type of guy who's going to demand a trade and say, I'm not playing until you trade me. He eventually just plays it out until he can no longer be tagged anymore because it's just too ridiculous. And then eventually he gets out. But you look at the Le'Veon Bell situation, never the same player, never going to hit a big payday again. Already upwards of 30 now. So I think there's ways that the tag is abused by the NFL. And the NFLPA had a chance to knock it out. They had a chance to remove the tag, and they didn't. In the negotiations of the collective bargaining agreement, the NFL really dictated um, those talks, and they really played on the on the younger players who will never make that big payday. They really played on those guys to really take over and get that deal done. A lot of the big-name players weren't a fan of what was in there, but... When you have guys that aren't going to be in the league very long, they have to get their money while they can. So they appealed to them and got the deal done. Will the NFL ever change anything with the franchise tag? Probably not. Uh, just one of those things where the team wants that type of control. Um, if you're a player, I think it can be beneficial in certain ways, like Dak Prescott. I think that was beneficial for him. He played on the tag, bet on himself, and gets a huge contract. Not all stories go that well, though. So... 
Uh, I think it should be changed a little bit, but um, will it? I don't know. We're going to take our next break here on Sportsmanlike Conduct. When we come back, we're going to go through some free agent predictions. The tampering period opens up next Monday, and free agents will start signing Monday through Wednesday. So we're going to go through and give our free agent predictions. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back into Unsportsmanlike Conduct. I'm Logan Howe. With me is David Meyer. And like I said, we're going to get into some free agent predictions here. We did go over the franchise tag, and there was some big names that got the tag, but still plenty of talent out there on the free agent market. We're going to go through the top 25 that were remaining after all the franchise tags, so let's get right into it here. First one we have here is left tackle, the San Francisco 49ers, Trent Williams. Where's he going to end up? I have him staying put in... Uh, the Bay Area, San Francisco, he's just so talented. I I don't think they can let him walk away when they're just so close to running it back for a Super Bowl. You can't let a tackle of that talent leave. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I have him staying in San Francisco. Um, this one, the only ones I did a prediction as well with what type of money he's going to make. Um, I think it's going to be upwards of a four-year, $80 million deal. If not a five-year and obviously moved into the $100 million mark at that point, he's going to hit that $20 million mark. If he hits free agency, I think he could get up upwards to 23 So I think that's the key for the 49ers, getting him locked up before. 49ers fans were kind of blessed. You got Joe Staley, who was there for 13 years and didn't miss games, was consistent left tackle, always was there, never going to leave, and always took relatively low tackle money. For what he did, he was a constant top seven tackle in the NFL during his whole entire career. They're kind of blessed with that. Now they're kind of seeing the issue with left tackles. They are a lot of money. And they just kind of got Trent Williams for so cheap. I think they can't let him go. Kyle Shanahan has the connection with Trent Williams. He knows what type of player he is. He just He's not going to let him get out the door, in my opinion. I think he's too important. And also, on Chris Collinsworth and Richard Sherman's podcast last night, Trent Williams came on, and they asked Sherman, where do you think Trent Williams will end up? He said on a five- to six-year deal to San Francisco, he's going to stay there, finish his career there, and then he's going to choose where he wants to go into the Hall of Fame with the Niners or with the football team. Trent Williams said he liked that take and that they were barking up the right tree. So, sounds like those negotiations are already started. I agree with you on that one, staying in the Bay. Now we have Shaq Barrett. We talked about him with the franchise tag. Is Tampa Bay going to be able to retain Shaq Barrett? I don't think so. I think he's he's going to get a big payday, and it's not going to be from the Buccaneers. They're about $6 million over the cap, and you got Shaq Barrett's going to get paid, and I think he's going where they sorely need help. The Raiders, they just have not been able to generate any pass rush, and you need some sort of pass rush to compete in this league, and Shaq Barrett's going to give that to you. So I, I like that match. Yeah, I like that matchup a lot. The Raiders are known to kind of throw some money on free agency, and why not at Shaq Barrett? For me, I have him staying put in Tampa Bay, and I have him staying put in Tampa Bay on a very backloaded deal, probably in that four- to five-year range where they're pushing the money to the end of that deal, and his cap hit's not that much. A big signing bonus as well. Tampa Bay, for me, it's 
once Tom Brady's done, you guys are kind of done as a team. He's going to go back to, well, we need a quarterback. Things are going to go back to normal. But until then, go all in. And I think that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to find ways to keep this team together for the next two to three years and then deal with the cap consequences after and send everyone where they have to go. For me, I just have Shaq Barrett sticking around. But very easily, he could take off and be in a new place. Next one we have up is Aaron Jones, Green Bay Packers running back. Are we going to see him in new colors other than yellow and green? Well, first off, uh, never say yellow and green, ever. It's <laughs> disgusting, the worst color combinations known to man. Uh, but I think he's going to stay put. He's just too talented of a running back to let leave that easily. And he's such a big part of that offense. I don't think it's talked enough. I don't think he's talked about enough in this league with how talented he is and the his ability to add to Aaron Rodgers, his game. And I think if you're the Packers and you want to bring and you want to keep Aaron Rodgers happy, you need to bring back Aaron Jones. That's step number one. Yeah, Aaron Jones has been a great back since he got to Green Bay and. I think he's pushing that top five category of running back. I don't think he is top five, but he's pushing it. He's definitely top ten. I personally, for me, have him about seven, seven or eight. I think that's very realistic for him. And I think Aaron Rodgers wants him back. I just don't think Green Bay is going to pay him. I really don't. I think that they think they can bring someone else in that can give similar production. And it's kind of a Kyle Shanahan coaching tree type of deal. We've seen them all just bring in low-end running backs and make them successful. Kyle Shanahan's done it um, in San Francisco. You look at the Rams with Sean McVay. They move off of Todd Gurley. He's supposed to be the star running back. And they bring in a guy, Cam Akers, a, a mid-round pick for them. And Daryl Henderson and Mack Brown, they run it back with them. I think Green Bay's going to do the same thing. They're going to have a committee of running backs and have without Aaron Jones. I have him heading to Miami. Miami's got a lot of money to spend. And I think... That's the type of piece that's going to be exciting for the offense, and it's going to help Tua out. You now have a, an elite running back who's a good pass catcher out of the backfield as well as an outside zone runner. And I just think that's going to be great for the Dolphins. That team needs just to put more around Tua offensively. Defensively, they're there. They had the pieces. Brian Flores is a great coach. Now it's just about going out there and getting Tua some help, and I think it starts with Aaron Jones. You got the money. Why not go get yourself a top-end running back for your young QB? Next up is Bud Dupree, the edge rusher for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's the guy that some people thought could get tagged. He doesn't. Pittsburgh doesn't have a whole lot of money. Is he sticking around with the Steelers? Uh, no, he is not. I have him going to the Panthers. I think that's kind of an under-the-radar team because they're in that like no-man's-land where they're not like fully rebuilding, but they're not a contender. And they have some pass rushing issues. They they could use an edge rusher. And Bud Dupree fits that bill. He's going to bring a lot of toughness to your offensive line. And I think he would be a good fit in Carolina. Yeah, for me, Bud Dupree is a guy that He's had a couple good seasons in a row, but I'm just not sold 100% that 
the consistency of him coming off of his injury. But a team for me that makes sense is the Colts. And I say the Colts because we saw them go out. They don't make a whole lot of big free agency splashes. But when they do, it's at key positions. We saw them bring in DeForest Buckner. A big splash worked out well. Now you bring in Bud Dupree, a guy who 11 and a half sacks in 19 last year, had eight sacks before he got injured. I think they're going to make that splash signing at the edge rusher spot because in football, left tackle, QB, edge rusher are your three really top positions that you must have a good player at all, at all three of those if you want to be a truly successful team. And I think the Colts realize that. Now with Carson Wentz, they believe in him. They did just lose their left tackle in Anthony Costanzo. So that's a team that if Trent Williams hits the open market, I could see them tossing a lot of money at him. Trent Williams and Quentin Nelson next to each other on offensive line might be the most athletic and dynamic duo on one side of offensive line and would be a cheat code in the NFL. They would be able to run all over teams. But back to Bud Dupree, I think they go get their edge rusher. They had Justin Houston, but he's a little bit older now. Get a younger guy, 28 years old, just turned 28. So get your guy in the building that you think is going to help you be successful for the future next to DeForest Buckner. Next, we have another edge rusher, and this is a very deep edge rushing class for free agency. It's Trey Hendrickson from the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, the Saints would like to retain him, but with their money situation, I just don't know if it's possible. What do you think? Yeah, the Saints are in cap hell. They're $31 million over the cap, and they need to start making some cuts. And I think Trey Hendrickson is not going to come back. I have him going to the Bengals. I think you know they were one of the worst teams when it came to pressuring the quarterback uh, 19%, which is uh, third worst out of pressures on the quarterback. I, and they have a lot of money. I think they'll be able to kind of throw that around. That's that's a big theme for me. Guys are going to get paid this offseason because there are teams with a lot of cap. It's, it's going to be interesting, but I have Trey Hendrickson going to the Bengals. Yeah, and Trey Henderson, he's that type of guy that can really be a foundational piece for a defense, so I like that that spot for him a lot. For me, I have a little bit of an under-the-radar team here, and I have the Buffalo Bills coming in and getting him. When you look at that Bills defense, they could use a couple pieces on the D-line specifically. Yes, they have Ed Oliver, but they could really use a true edge rusher. I think that's what Henderson brings in. 13 and a half sacks last season for the Saints, four and a half on his rookie year. Still very, very young. So I think we can see a step forward from Trey Hendrickson with this Buffalo defense. And if you are the Bills, you went hard after J.J. Watt. You obviously want defensive line help. Why not go get Trey Hendrickson, who's a guy who's young, productive, I think that would be a nice move for them to try to help balance that team out. They're so offensive heavy, in my opinion. Help balance that defense out and get yourself a guy that's going to chase around Patrick Mahomes if you want to try to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Next one we have here is Carl Lawson, the edge rusher for the Cincinnati Bengals. You had Hendrickson going to the Bengals. Can they afford to keep Lawson next to him? I think they might be able to. They do have a lot of money. But I don't think that's where the money's going to be going. 
I have Carl Lawson going to the Titans. Uh, they also struggled a lot with rushing the passer. And I think that's one of the reasons they lost in the playoffs. They don't have the most cap space. They don't have like that kind of Jaguars, Jets type of money. But you could, I think with how deep the edge rushers are in this free agency class, you might be able to pay some guys a little less than what they're actually worth. And I think Carl Lawson could go under the radar a little bit and get picked up by the Titans. Yeah, and for me, Carl Lawson is a guy that he did post a picture the other day of his offseason workout, and he's he's getting pretty massive. Um, he's looking really good as an edge rusher. For me, Carl Lawson, I have him sticking around Cincinnati. Um, I have him sticking with the homegrown talent there. I easily could see him leaving, but I do think they want an edge rusher. Like you said, you had Hendrickson going there. I have them addressing the edge as well. And don't I don't expect them to just make one move. When you look at some lower-end guys who are going to be out there, Hassan Reddick, Leonard Floyd, that's just a couple of the low-name guys that are going to be in this free agency class. I think they could put opposite of Carl Lawson. But the Bengals obviously need to build up the defensive line. They have a couple nice pieces in the secondary, William Jackson, as well as Jesse Bates the third. So build up that defensive line, help that secondary out, and then obviously address other needs throughout but Carl Lawson to the Bengals I just like that fit obviously because that's where he's been his whole career next up we have Kenny Galladay wide receiver of the Detroit Lions where's he gonna end up I have him going to Miami they need a little bit they need some more uh, playmakers around Tua if that's the direction they're gonna go next year so I think Kenny Galladay is one of those playmakers it's it's a big splash, and I think Miami is ready to take that step forward. They were a very good team last season, and I think adding Kenny Galladay is going to kind of push them over the top. Yeah, I like adding a receiver there to the Jaguars. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, excuse me, uh, not to the Jaguars. I have him going to the Jaguars. Excuse it's me. It's all Florida. It's all the same. <laughs> So I have Kenny Galladay, after I've given it away, going to the Jaguars. And Trevor Lawrence is going to need weapons. You have DJ Chark, but you need more for Trevor Lawrence. You want him to be successful right out the gate. You bring, you have your left tackle in Cam Robinson. Go go throw some money in a wide receiver, especially one that with the ability of Kenny Galladay to go up and make all these tough contested catches. It's going to help your quarterback out in the long run. I, I like the fit down in Florida there with the Jags. I think Kenny Galladay will like it a lot better than Detroit. Yes, playing with Matthew Stafford was probably really nice, but now you're going to Trevor Lawrence, a guy who has a lot of hype behind him. So go there, get some money, as well as playing with a team that is supposed to be up and coming. Next team, next player I have here is a Jadeveon Clowney, edge rusher from the Tennessee Titans. Where do you see Clowney ending up? This one's tough because he has kind of a checkered past. A lot of hype coming into the draft, goes to Houston, plays pretty well, then doesn't doesn't mesh with management. He gets shipped away and then bounces around, ending up on the Titans. I think he's going to go for not that much money. I think he's going to the Bills on kind of a prove-it deal. 
that he can still compete in this league? I think he can, but it's at what level he's going to be able to compete. So I think he's going to take a a little bit of a pay cut, go to the Bills, and see if he can show off there. Yeah, for me, I like the Bills as a spot for them. I actually have Clowney sticking around with the Titans just because that Mike Vrabel connection. Coached him in Houston, was a defensive coordinator in Houston. I think Vrabel knows the talent Clowney has, and he's going to be willing to give him a cheap deal to come back once again because I don't think there's going to be all that many teams interested in him. Last offseason, he was holding out, holding out because he was waiting for a better deal. He thought he could get a better deal. Turns out he couldn't. Not that many teams were all that interested in him, and he didn't get a nice deal that he wanted. I think Vrabel gives him another prove-it deal just because that connection they already have and the injury, you didn't really get to see much of Clowney. So I think Vrabel wants to prove, yes, this signing was right, and then Clowney, obviously with that connection, is going to stick around. Next up is the guard from the New England Patriots who did not get franchise tagged, which was a little bit of a surprise for some people, is Joe Thune. Where do you think he ends up? I think he's going to the Bengals. I think he's going to get absolutely paid by the Bengals. They need to protect, uh, protect Joe Burrow, and they need a better offensive line. If they don't address that in some way in free agency, I we know they're going to draft some offensive line help. They also need to bring in someone in free agency, and I think Joe Thune might be the guy. Uh, they have so much money to spend. So, for me, it's Joe Thune to the Bengals. Yeah, I I agree with you on that one. That's the same team I got. You got the Cincinnati Bengals. Protect Burrow. It's pretty simple as that. Throw him the money once you have some money. Go ahead and do that. Because we all, as fans of the NFL, want to see Joe Burrow succeed. He was fantastic at LSU. So, get him some protection. Do not rob us of a great career that Joe Burrow could have. Next up we have is Matt Judon, edge rusher of the Baltimore Ravens, was tagged last year, now is heading to free agency. Where do you think he ends up? I have him going to the Seahawks. They Their defense was a mess last season. You do have uh, Jamal Adams, who's a very talented safety, but one player is not going to take over that defense in a way an edge rusher can. I'm not sure Judon is the guy to do that, but I think he can be part of a defensive resurgence with the Seahawks. Yeah, the Seahawks are a team that are going to need to spend some money defensively. They cut Carlos Dunlap, so that makes a lot of sense. For me, I have him sticking around with the Ravens. Um, Another guy we'll get to is Yannick Ngakwe, who they traded for from the Vikings. Very high-profile edge rusher from the Jaguars. Minnesota kind of struggles. Baltimore, he did better than what the stats show, but still not all that great. So now both their edge rushers hitting free agency. I think they want to keep at least one of them, and they've seen proven talent from Matt Judon on the Baltimore Ravens roster. So I have them keeping him around because you can't lose both of those guys. So I think it'd be key for them. And Matt Judon's been a, he's kind of a fan favorite with the Baltimore Ravens. He's been a guy that you root for, kind of the underdog. So I think they try to keep him around because this Baltimore team's ready to win now and losing edge rushers is not exactly the best formula to keep winning right now. 
Next up, we have Corey Lindsley, the center for the Green Bay Packers. He's already said he's going to hit the free agent market. Where do you think he ends up? I think he ends up on the Broncos. They are a team that needs some help offensively, and part of that is your offensive line. Again, I think he's going to get absolutely paid. Maybe not as much as some of the other guys, like especially Trent Williams, but offensive line is so important, and I think he's going to get paid a lot. I'm, I'm not exactly sure why it's the Broncos. I think they're a team with some offensive line needs, but I just have a gut feeling of the Broncos. Yeah, for me, I have them going to the 49ers at the center position. Um, line's been something that the, they obviously want to address, especially Kyle Shanahan likes to pay his tackles, and he likes to pay his center. The guards, he kind of he'll have a hodgepodge. He's done that everywhere he's been. In the center position, when he his second year there, he signed Weston Richburg to, at the time, a high-end top-five center contract. He hasn't panned out. He's been injured a lot, and they're going to move on from him this offseason. The next couple of days, um, he'll get cut. They're going to need a center, and Kyle Shanahan covets that elite center play, and why not go get Corey Lindsley, a young center, and a guy who, yes, you're going to have to pony up a little bit and pay him, but... If you're going to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo, he's dealt with injuries as well. He's missed 23 games over the last few seasons. Get him some more protection. And as well as the Shanahan offense with a true elite center just runs so much more smoothly. Another guy I think is Alex Mack. Expect the Niners to be interested in him. He was in Atlanta with Kyle Shanahan. And you saw how well that offense hummed. It makes it a lot easier for a quarterback when your center's able to identify a lot of the defense for you, so you don't have to do as much as that pre-play. Next up we have here is edge rusher Yannick Ngakwe of the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously the Ravens traded for him to bring him in, but now he's hitting the market. Can they find a way to keep him, do you think? I think possibly they do have a decent amount of money that they could spend on him, but I think they want to go elsewhere. He, Ningakwe has bounced around a lot, and I think he's actually going to go to a division rival of the Ravens. I have him going to the Browns. They don't. There's not a huge need because they do have Miles Garrett, but they did just release Adrian Claiborne, one of their edge rushers, to clear about three million in cap. And I could definitely see them spending that on a a veteran edge rusher which is what you're going to get with Ningakwe. Yeah, I love that fit a lot. I really do. You can move on from Olivier Vernon, free up even more money, put Ningakwe with Miles Garrett. That would be a scary, scary defensive line. For me, I have him going to the Jets. And I have him going to the Jets because I think it could be a bidding war for him. And the Jets, they have money, so they're going to spend it. But also, Robert Sala was in Jacksonville when Ningakwe was drafted. And Robert Sala has shown a willingness to bring in players that he is very familiar with. Richard Sherman, obviously, is a big example. But when you look at this 49ers team, this 49ers defense, there's Jag- there's quite a few ja- ex-Jaguars and ex-Seahawks that have been in the building during that time because they is familiar with Robert Sala. 
I think Salah goes and gets Ningakwe. You need a pass rusher to start your team off. Ningakwe with Quinnen Williams on the defensive line is a good start to a foundation that you want to build as a head coach. So I like that fit a lot. Next up, we have Will Fuller, wide receiver for the Houston Texans. Fuller was a guy that was in some trade rumors around the deadline, never gets moved. Now he has his chance at free agency. Where do you think he ends up? This one's tough because he's had problems with injuries and he's, I don't know, something just kind of rubs me the wrong way about uh, Will Fuller. For my prediction, I think he's going to go to the Colts. I think they have the money to kind of add a more depth for their wide receivers that will be helpful for Carson Wentz and if you have that good offensive line with and give him time to throw, it, the Colts' offense could do some damage. Yeah, I like the Colts' spot. Um, I think it's a good one, especially because he might want a little revenge against the Texans, stay with the division rival. I like that spot for him. For me, I'm going with the team that was rumored to get him with the trade deadline, and it's the Green Bay Packers. I have them going and getting him because, one, Aaron Rodgers already said he wanted help, and he was... He sent a message to the Packers after that championship game like, hey, I'm, I want to win a Super Bowl, and you need to start helping me out. We can't have three backups as our first three picks in the draft anymore. So I think the Packers go get Will Fuller, a true speed receiver, true speed threat. Doesn't have to be the number one. Devontae Adams has that under control. But he's a guy that can take the top off a of defense that's more consistent catching the ball than Valdez Scantling is. And I think that would be pretty scary for this Packers offense to add a guy like Will Fuller opposite Adams. And we have one more here before we head to our break. And we'll come back and finish these up. And that is Matt Milano, linebacker. The Buffalo Bills got cut. He's heading to free agency. One of the better linebackers in football. He is pretty good. Where do you think he ends up after his stint in Buffalo? This one's tough, but I have him... That's that's a really hard question. I have him going to the Eagles. It's They have problems with their cap. There's no doubt about that. But they're also still kind of under the illusion that they can compete, which I don't think is accurate. So I have them spending money that they don't really have to get a very talented linebacker that I don't think should be on the market. I think the Bills should bring him back. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. The Bills, I don't agree with that move to let him go, but with this cap space, teams have to make some moves they don't want to. For me, I'm going to another linebacker needy team, and it's the Saints. And talk about a team in bad cap situation, it is the Saints. They're about negative $31 million right now, and they have some guys they need to bring back. But I have them backloading a deal here. The salary cap, while yes, it you have to work around it. They can make a couple moves, a couple restructures to get in the clear and make a couple signings. And I think this is one of them. When you look at their linebacking core, they have Demario Davis, but who else is there? Anzalone. They cut Quan out. They're going to cut Quan Alexander in the next couple of days. Who is that other linebacker? Why not Matt Milano? Try to add to this defense. I have found it very interesting. Drew Brees has not retired yet. It's been quite a while. We're just assuming he's going to. He hasn't retired yet, so what is that about? Does he come back for one last run at it? 
If he does, try to build that defense up, add Matt Milano. We're going to take our last break here on Sportsmanlike Conduct. When we come back, we have about five or six more free agent predictions before we'll run through and finish our pre-free agency mock draft. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back into Unsportsmanlike Conduct. I'm Logan Howell. With me is David Meyer. And we're going to go ahead and finish our free agent predictions here. Only have a couple left. And next one up is Saints quarterback Jameis Winston. Is he going to stick around New Orleans? Is he the arrow pair to Drew Brees? Or where does he end up? I think he's going to go somewhere else. But not for a lot of money. I think he's going to get something similar to what we saw him sign with the Saints, but maybe a little more money. I have him go into the Colts. You have, like with the signings I've talked about, you have a great offensive line in front of him. You have receivers for him to throw the ball to. He has time in the pocket, and that arm talent, if he can make just slightly better decisions, I think the Colts can go to the playoffs relatively easily possibly compete for a Super Bowl yeah I like that fit kind of the Ryan Tannehill Marcus Mariota type deal I like that one a lot and for me I have Jameis going back to the Saints I just think they're going to be too pressed to find a quarterback because I don't know what Drew Brees is doing so I think with Jameis do they view him as that long-term starter no probably not but if Drew Brees retires you're gonna put Taysom Hill out there I know I wouldn't so I would take my chances with Jameis Winston, but he's another guy. It's going to be tough with that salary cap to make it work, but I just think they'll find a way to keep him around. Next up here is, is a receiver that I think is not going to get a whole lot of attention, but it's a very sneaky signing, and it's Curtis Samuel of the Carolina Panthers. Where do you think he could end up? I have him going to the Ravens. The Ravens desperately need talent on offense. They have... Great quarterback, good running backs. They need wide receivers. They, That's just a necessity. So I have them going out and getting Curtis Samuel. He's going to be a good addition and hopefully can add another dimension to that Ravens offense. Yeah, the Ravens are a team that need to add weapons at the wide receiver spot. I'm tired of seeing so many tight ends. With Baltimore, like, yes, I get it. You can have two or three good tight ends, but let's get some weapons for Lamar on the outside that consistently catch the ball, unlike uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown. For me, I have Curtis Samuel going to the Washington football team, reconnecting with Ron Rivera there, Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and then Logan Thomas, the tight end position. Nothing to sneeze at offensively. Now it's just about finding that quarterback. But I think Curtis Samuel, the one thing I really like about him is the gadget ability he has. He's the end-around guy. He's the trick play guy. He's the one that you're going to trust with more of that. And then Terry McLaurin's more your traditional, okay, I'm going to constantly get open with crisp route running, as well as he's, he can beat you deep. And that, it's a little surprising, but he can. So I like Curtis Samuel to the football team there. Ron Rivera knows what he had in Curtis Samuel. I think he's going to try to get that back. And now we have another receiver, and that's Juju Smith-Schuster. Obviously, coming back to Pittsburgh, he's already kind of said isn't really in the cards for him. Where do you think he ends up? I think he's one of the premier wide receivers in this free agency class, and I have him going to the team with the most money. I have him going to the Jags, and 
I don't think he's going to get paid as much as people think. I don't think he's going to hit that 20 million mark that is kind of the standard for your top tier receiver. I think he's going to be under that by about 5 million. He didn't perform all that well this past season. Then there's the Antonio Brown problems and how he compares when they were playing together. So I think he's going to go for a little less money than people think. Yeah, for me, Jacksonville's a team that needs wide receivers, so I like that fit. For me personally, I have him going to the Jets. And I have him going to the Jets because I like him in that LaFleur, Shanahan system. I think when you look at what Kaz Shanahan did in San Francisco, he doesn't have a true number one receiver. Obviously, he's talked about how, yes, if you have one, it's nice, like when he had Matt Ryan. I mean, uh, Julio Jones, excuse me, Matt Ryan and Julio. But he didn't doesn't have that in San Francisco. He has Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne, and he uses them, and then Emmanuel Sanders at one point, and he uses them to all complement each other and set each other open. I think that's what we're going to see with the Jets. Juju's not an elite number one receiver. He's just not, but he can be a nice complement to some other receivers. And like we saw in Pittsburgh with Deontay Johnson, James Washington, Chase Claypool, he can be a good complement, and I think he'd be a good start for a young, let's say maybe Zach Wilson at the quarterback spot for the Jets. He can be a nice go-to guy for him. I want to see Juju get back to his old days. Like you said, with Antonio Brown on the other side, it's a lot easier to get open. But he still doesn't look like the same player that was even around then. So I want to see him get back to that. And I think he can do that on fresh start in a big city and obviously with a new young quarterback. Next up, we have another QB here, Cam Newton. Where do you think Cam's going to end up? Originally... I said the Bears, he's going to sign for like the veteran minimum and he's going to go out and try and compete. And I think that's still a possibility. Wherever he goes, it's probably competing for a job. But I've since switched where I think he's going to go. I think he's going to go to the Broncos. It's, it's atypical of John Elway, who technically not making player decisions, although I'm not Super sure I believe that. Um, I think he still has some gas left in the tank. And at the very worst, he can mentor a younger QB. So I think wherever he goes, he's going to have some success, whether that be as a starter or as a teacher. Yeah, I think Denver for sure adds a veteran QB. Could it be Cam? Could it be Ryan Fitzmagic? Could it be Andy Dalton? I think all those guys are realistic options to come to Denver. For me, I'm following that Ron Rivera connection again. I have him going to the football team. They need a QB. They're picking there in that 20, 21, 19 range, somewhere in there. It's just outside quarterback territory. You're not going to get one of those top guys. I think your last guy, Mac Jones, I think the latest he's on the board is 12, personally. I think that's the latest we'll see him on the board. You'll see your top QBs gone by then. So what do you do at the quarterback spot? Why not bring in a guy who has some experience in the system? Ron Rivera clearly likes. I think it's just a smart move. And Cam Newton, for me, is one of the more misunderstood quarterbacks in the league. A lot of people last year said, oh, he didn't play that great. He was playing very good to start the year out. Then COVID hit and he started to struggle after that. But he's also throwing to one the worst receiving core in the NFL. 
I don't even know the name of the tight end position. And then when you look at receiver-wise, Demir Bird, Nikhil Harry, who has done nothing but struggle. He really doesn't, Jacoby Myers, he doesn't have any weapons at all. Julian Edelman out for most of the year. Cam Newton's a guy that give him some weapons. And my predictions, Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, and he can make plays, not to mention what he can do with his legs. I think he's going to prove some people wrong this year. Next up, we got some tight ends here. We have Johnu Smith of the Tennessee Titans, going to hit the free agent market. Where do you think he ends up? I have him going to the Washington football team. I think they're a really solid team defensively, and whatever quarterback they go with, he's going to need more weapons than they have right now, and especially one of those positions is tight end. I think Smith can help that need a lot, and he'd be interesting to watch as he could develop alongside a younger quarterback. Yeah, I think that would be a nice pickup there. You add more weapons to the football team. I like that one. For me, I have him going to the Patriots. I talked about the weapons you need in New England. Let's start it off with a good tight end, a top 10 tight end, and build from there. Like I said, my gut earlier, it's just I just have a gut feeling. They're going to find a way to get Jimmy Garoppolo back in there. He loves tight ends. You look at his first stint in New England, Martellus Bennett, Rob Gronkowski, both did fantastic with him. Then you see him come to San Francisco. George Kittle at one time was the best tight end in the league. Now he's still top two. And now if he does go back, that weapon across the middle that he can use as a safety blanket, I think it starts with Jonu Smith, and he's a great red zone target. Bill Belichick needs to add weapons for any QB that's going to step foot in there. I think it starts with Jonu Smith. Next up, we have Hunter Henry, the Chargers tight end, also going to hit the market. Some people thought he'd get the tag. He didn't. Where does he end up? I have him staying in L.A. with the Chargers. I think he's he's been there his whole career, and he has a good connection with uh, Justin Herbert. I think he's just too valuable to let go for the Chargers, who do have a, a pretty solid amount of cap space to spend. Yeah, for me, the Chargers make a lot of sense, obviously. You have that connection. You already know the teammates. But for me, I talked about earlier in my when I went on my rant about New England and the revenge tour they're going on. We're going with the double tight end sets once again. Have them getting Hunter Henry as well. New England has some cap space to spend. Why not go get targets? Uh, everything I just said for New England when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo or any QB they put out there is going to need weapons. Let's go ahead and get two very good tight ends to run things back with. And then from there, you can look to add some receivers via draft or whether it be make a splash in free agency. I, I can't picture that, but a low-end free agent wide receiver, draft a wide receiver, and have two elite tight ends. If Jimmy G is the guy they bring back in, he would love that. The two elite tight ends as with a couple low-end wide receivers as well, that would really be good for him or any QB they bring in. So I think New England goes out, spends some money to get some weapons in the building. And that concludes our free agent predictions. And we'll see how many of those we get right next week as free agency tampering period opens up on Monday. They start; to, they can actually sign on Wednesday, but most will already have agreements in place by then. We're going to go ahead with the 
remaining time we have left and finish up our pre-free agency mock draft. We did 1 through 16 last week. Now we're going to do 17 through 32. Next up on the board is the Las Vegas Raiders at 17 overall. Who do you have them taking? I have them taking Quiddy Pay. They need pass rushers. If they don't address it in free agency, they need to take an edge rusher. Quiddy Pay fits that bill. It's a match made in heaven. I I think he'd be very good on that Raiders defense. Yeah, edge rusher, I think, is the pick for sure. I have Quiddy Pay gone already, so I go with the next best available. And that's Gregory Rousseau, uh, the end from Miami. I think he can do a great job. He, one time he was kind of the consensus number one. Now he's fallen down to two, three, four, anywhere in there. I think the Raiders go out there and make a play for him because he is a freak athlete. He has all the ability in the world, and that's something that the Raiders are going to want to see on their defensive line moving forward with Max Crosby. Next up, at the 18th overall, we have the Miami Dolphins. Who do you have the Dolphins taking here? I have them... Uh, adding to that pretty solid defense at linebacker, Jeremiah Owasu Koromua. There we go. Um, from Notre Dame, just he's kind of replacing Kyle Van Noy, a real gadget piece on defense that you can put in a lot of different places, and he's going to succeed in a lot of uh, different things as a weapon on defense. And I think he could he could do very well in Miami. Yeah, I'm with you on that pick. I have Jeremiah Owasu-Kormoa as well, the linebacker from Notre Dame. I think there's kind of a consensus starting to come around him that he may be linebacker one. I still think he's linebacker two in this draft behind Micah Parsons, but I still think he has incredible ability sideline to sideline, pass coverage as well that Miami's going to love. Brian Flores can use him as a chess piece in that defense. I just think that's a perfect landing spot for him would be the Dolphins. There are some teams later in this draft, this back into the first round, that would absolutely love him. That You could possibly see them trade up for him as well. Next up at 19th overall, we have the Washington football team. Where do you have them going with this pick? I have them going defense. They have a really strong defense already, but I think they could add to their corners. Uh, I have them taking J.C. Horn. I think he's going to really complement that secondary, and he might start out as like a depth piece, someone you'll see like going on and off the field, but I have a feeling he's going to be able to do some great things in Washington. Yeah, corner I think would be a huge need. They're going to be losing Ronald Darby this offseason, so I think that would be a good pick for them. I had them addressing the offensive line. I had them going Christian Derisaw, the offensive tackle from Virginia Tech. I think he could be a guy that could step in and start day one on this offensive line. Obviously, you already have Brandon Sheriff. Now bringing in Derisaw there at the tackle position. I think that would be key, trying to build this line back up. Your tackles are a little bit older, so getting younger at that position, letting them play guard. Derisaw play guard while your tackles continue their career until they're done. I just think if you're going to try to bring in a young QB, like I think they will, maybe possibly a second-round pick, a guy like Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond, second, third-round pick, or if you go free agency route like Cam Newton, build up that offensive line, keep Cam Newton protected. So I think that that gives them some flexibility. Next up at 20, we have the Chicago Bears. Who do you have the Bears take in? 
I have them keeping it simple, not going too flashy. Uh, the tackle from Oklahoma State, Tevin Jenkins, they need help on the offensive line. If we saw David Montgomery kind of emerge as that offensive line got together some chemistry, unless some crazy thing happens and a quarterback drops into their lap or one of the high-end wide receivers, they need to take an offensive lineman. And I think Tevin Jenkins is definitely going to help with just how big he is and how well he can uh, run block. Yeah, I think Lyle would be key for the Bears. For me, I don't think this this player will be available at this pick, but the way my board set up, he was there. I think the Bears take him, and that's the fifth best quarterback, in my opinion, Mac Jones, the quarterback from Alabama. He does a lot of things well. His pocket presence is off the charts. He, In my opinion, has the best deep ball in this class. He's very accurate with it. And I think that's all thing that, things that the Bears and Matt Nagy would covet. And getting him at 20 overall, I think, is good value on Mac Jones. Because personally for me, I don't think, like I said, I don't think he makes it past 12. But like I said, he falls d- down in my board here. So Mac Jones at 20 to the Bears. They get that QB of the future they can build around. And that, the thing about Mac Jones is if he was in a different draft class, he probably is a guaranteed top five pick. He had a Joe Burrow type season, but no one talks about it. So I think Mac Jones is an underrated prospect in this draft. Next up, 21, we have the Colts. Who do you have there? I have them, I talked about it all during the free agency section, uh, adding wide receiver Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. I think this just fits perfectly. They need a wide receiver. He is right around where I would evaluate his talents to be in terms of the board. He's, he's around 21. That's where I'd take him. Yeah, I think receiver would be a good pick there for the Colts. I have them going Zayvon Collins, the linebacker. I know they have Darius Leonard, who is a fantastic backer, top three in the league. But I think adding Zayvon Collins to that defense would be huge because Darius Leonard, yes, he is a very good uh, run-stuffing linebacker. He does struggle at times in pass coverage. He's one of the he's better than most, but he does struggle. I think Zayvon Collins can come in and help him out in that position in that regard. Then also you just help stout keep stout that front seven. I think that's going to be key. You play in a division with Derrick Henry, so you better be able to stop the run. So getting two first two very good linebackers, and then obviously your defensive line already have a couple free agents predictions and DeForest Buckner already. I think building that front seven is going to be key for the Colts. Speaking of the Titans, they are next up at 22, and who do you have them taking? I have wide receivers just flying off the board right now. Elijah Moore. The Titans have a need for a wide receiver, and you uh, pair more with his old Ole Miss uh, teammate, A.J. Brown. I think that's that's a really good mesh, and they'll that's my prediction. Yeah, after seeing A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf both be so successful in the league, I'm sure teams would be raunching at the bit to get um, a Ole Miss receiver in the building. For me, at 22, I have them going Elijah Vera Tucker, the guard from USC. I think that the Titans can help improve that offensive line quite a bit. Um, obviously, they're division-wise. They don't play in a necessarily strong defensive division, 
But if you want to make people pay in the playoffs and be able to run the ball as much as they do, build up that offensive line. You lost a couple of the pieces the last few years. Why not keep building it up from the ground up? And I think that's just a smart move for the Titans. You're going to get Derrick Henry going more often because that's their goal each and every week and also keep Ryan Tannehill protected. Next up is the Jets. This pick is from the Seattle Seahawks, 23 overall. Who do you have them taking? I have them taking Elijah Vera Tucker at uh, 23. In their earlier pick, I have them taking Zach Wilson. You're going to want to protect him. So going offensive line with how deep this draft is in uh, wide receiver talent, I think you can still add talented receivers in the second and third round. Yeah, I do believe so as well. And at 23, I have them going Jalen Phillips, the edge rusher from Miami. Personally for me, he's my favorite edge rusher from this class, him and Aziz Olojuari. Both those guys are my top two favorites. I know Pay and Rousseau currently have higher grades, but I just enjoy watching them the most. They both have a little speed to them, a little power. And I think Jalen Phillips, he's the guy that, when the right situation can be the best edge rusher from this class. And why not put him with Robert Sala, a guy who has got a lot of good production out of edge rushers. Kerry Hydra last year had eight and a half sacks for the 49ers. Why not get Jalen Phillips there an opportunity, help continue to build that defense up. And my free agent predictions, plus my draft, it'd be Jalen Phillips, Ngakwe, and Quinta Williams all on the same defensive line with Zach Wilson at QB. That is something, if you were able to do, would be a very successful offseason. Next up is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who do you have them taking? I have them taking uh, Najee Harris. They need running, some help running. They were 32nd in the league, and that's just not what I imagine when I see the Steelers. So I have them picking up a running back with their first pick. Maybe not the best decision, but you need someone to complement your passing game. Yeah, I'm same exact pick. I have Najee Harris as well, the running back from Alabama. Um, he's become the consensus best running back in this class, and I think there's a reason to that. Um, he's a very physical runner, but he's also his ability out of the backfield. Um, he likes to score touchdowns. That's something Steelers need from the running back position. And our last pick we're going to do here before we go into a little rapid fire here as we're running out of time is the Jacksonville Jaguars. You got this pick from the Rams for Jalen Ramsey at 25 overall. Who do you have here? I have Aziz uh, Alojuari. There you go. Thank you. From Georgia, uh, just the ability to kind of get sacks and help that defensive line is going to be huge for the Jaguars. Yeah, I think edge rusher would be key for them. Uh, I know they tagged Cam Robinson. I have them going Jalen Mayfield, tackle. Keep building that offensive line. Protect Trevor Lawrence. Do not rob us of a great career that he could have. Keep him protected. And then obviously for agency, I had them getting Kenny Galladay. So you already have a elite target to go with Lawrence. And so now for the rest of this draft, we're just going to go a little rapid fire here. 26 with the Browns. Who do you have? From Northwestern, cornerback Greg Newsom II. For me, I have safety from TCU, Trevin Morig. I think they need help in the secondary, and there you go. 27 overall, Baltimore Ravens. Who do you have? Uh, Gregory Rousseau from Miami. Baltimore, I'm sure they would love to get Rousseau there at 27. 
I have Rashad Bateman getting the receiver for Lamar Jackson. Number 28, the Saints. Who do you have? Zaven Collins. I have Nick Bolton, so both linebackers there. Now 29, the Green Bay Packers. Who do you have? Uh, Darius Toney. Darius Toney would be a nice pick there. 29 for me. I have Travis Etienne. Losing Aaron Jones in free agency, why not bring in another talented running back? All right, number 30, we have the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Christian Barmore. Yeah, Christian Barmore would be a great pick there. Add to that defensive line. I have Joseph Asai, the edge rusher, still adding to that defensive line. 31, Kansas City Chiefs, AFC champs. Uh, adding to their secondary with Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes would be a nice pick for him. Just ran a 4-3-40. For me, I have Kadarius Toney just because the Chiefs seem like that type. Speed kills, add more weapons. Last pick of the draft and last point of tonight, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 32, Super Bowl champions. Uh, edge rusher Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma. Edge rusher would be key, especially if they lose Shaq Barrett. I have them going Elijah Molden, the corner from Washington. He's going to be a guy, his name's going to pick up a lot of steam, and he can play the slot, he can play on the outside. I like him a lot as a prospect. And that concludes this episode of Unsportsmanlike Conduct. If you're on Twitter, give us a follow at KLA underscore UC. If you're on Facebook or Instagram, give us a like and a follow as well at KLA underscore UC. Be on the lookout for our social media posts. Talk about what you want to hear on next week's show, as well as our Women's History Month athlete. Be on the lookout for that. Thank you for listening, and good night.